Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast. This episode brought to you by Racetech. Racetech Gold Valves, basically a revalve in a box. Did you know they also do engine work? You might be looking to get your bike all modded up for the new season, and you should look into getting it done with Racetech. And you can save some money when you mention Big MX Radio. You probably already listened to my podcast with Billy White from Luxon MX. If you haven't, I sincerely hope that you do check it out because there's a ton of really interesting information, not only about Luxon MX, but also about triple clamps and linkage components that honestly, I had no real idea about, or at least not as much as he did because the guy went super in depth and I can't thank him enough for doing so. You can save 10% on Luxon MX with discount code BigMX at checkout. You can also save some money on WUSA when mentioning Big MX Radio when shopping with those guys. Get yourself a brand new set of wheels, lighter, stronger, all that fun stuff, and save some money with Big MX Radio and WUSA. For 20% off, you can enter discount code BigMX20 for 20% off of Guts Racing. Let's be honest, you need a brand new seat. Seat base, seat foam, seat cover. Get yourself a couple of seat covers because Lord knows throughout the season, the bike hits the ground or you have a super muddy race. Uh, you want to swap those things out. They actually have these Velcro seats, uh, seat covers that are really easy to switch out. I highly recommend them. I think you should do that for sure. Last but certainly not least, Heartbeat Hot Sauce is a fantastic brand that we've been working with in recent history. Honestly, they are a great brand. They're available on Amazon. You can also I can also find it at a local at my local grocery store, which I think is kind of cool. Uh, great stuff. They have the Scorpion, Red Habanero. Uh, they've got a dill pickle one. Um, tons of really tasty stuff. So if you're into hot sauce or if you're looking for something to add a little bit of extra kick to your meal prep, check out Heartbeat Hot Sauce. I very highly recommend that. All right, so I thought I would just do a, a quick solo podcast to sort of talk about some of the storylines and uh, leading into Arlington, which is a triple crown. Uh, just talk about some of the things that uh, might help you guys out on the on the side of fantasy. Uh, fantasy, if you're playing fantasy, Lord knows I'm horrible at it, uh, but I, I might be able to give you guys some helpful tips as well as just some things to remember when making your picks that way, as well as we're just going to talk about a few different uh, storylines that are happening within the series right now. So imagine this as a, uh, a time where the two of us are going to go for a, a quick ride. Uh, maybe a, a, Maybe a 45-minute long trip through uh, your local city. I'm sitting shotgun, and I don't let you get in a word edgewise, which is actually a very good representation of what it would actually be like if, in fact, we went for a drive. Unless, of course, uh, you're one of my friends, like maybe Sean Wedge, who's a really good friend of mine. But uh, when I'm hanging, when I'm hanging out with him, believe it or not, he dominates the conversation. Uh, but I always love that he's a guy who's got a ton of great stories. Plus, he is a world champion. Uh, in the plus 50 uh, novice class, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, let's crack things in. Let, let's crack straight into this thing, guys. Uh, hopefully you're uh, getting looking forward to the race this weekend, Arlington Supercross, which is, of course, a lot of people can refer to it as Dallas because that's where the Dallas Cowboys play. Obviously, the stadium itself is in Arlington, Texas, rather than Dallas, which is not far from city center of Dallas. Uh, I realize that it's not super, super close, but essentially that's where the Dallas Cowboys play, and that's why it is, uh, it, but it's the Arlington Supercross. Beautiful stadium. Jerry World is one of the most beautiful stadiums on the series. Um, I, I think the only series, the only, I, 
currently I would imagine that it still is the best stadium or the most, the newest and, and most sort of ritzy stadium that Supercross currently goes to. Like, unfortunately right now we do not go to SoFi stadium. We don't go to the new stadium, uh, that's in, um, LA or not LA. Uh, we don't go to the Las Vegas stadium yet. Although I wouldn't be surprised to see us back in there in three or four years, maybe, uh, it being a brand new stadium, and honestly, and they're right now, they're not really having a hard time booking guests. Obviously, like anyone who the re, the beauty of having the like a stadium like that for the people who own that stadium, it's not just their main tenant uh, being an NFL team or something along those lines. It's their ability to host other clients throughout the year, like an NFL stadium if you really think about it in a cold weather climate like say Lambeau Field or Soldier Field in in in, in Chicago I don't think it's called Schultz Soldier Field there anymore uh but regardless like or Meadowlands or something along those lines is uh or MetLife Stadium in uh in uh is that in New York yeah I think the MetLife's in New York so anyway uh they're only gonna have like because of the cold weather and it being an open-air stadium they only have maybe 15 15 events all year long. Whereas in Vegas and, and especially for a lot of the baseball stadiums, they have a ton of different events that they can host throughout the year. And that's how they amortize their costs for every single event is that if you don't have a lot of events, you still have to keep the, the, the maintenance up and the 24 hour security. Those are all things that get spread out over the cost of many, many times of people uh, filling those seats. And yes, wear and tear on the building uh, comes as a part of that. But uh, the more times you can actually get people into your building and hosting different events is that you can actually, uh, you're going to, obviously you're going to make more money off of uh, having the building, but you're going to be able to spread out the, just those regular costs that, that exist, whether you have someone in there or not are sort of amortized over a whole lot more, um, or events. And right now the new stadium in Las Vegas is not hurting for events. Uh, plus I wouldn't, I, I can't imagine that a lot of, facilities are super stoked to have supercross roll in or monster jam of course they they're they're happy to have tenants period but uh supercross itself being something that is very dirty there's lots of there's like all of the wear and tear of pulling the dirt out pulling the dirt in like they're happy to have us but i wouldn't be surprised if if more than a few venues are reluctant to bring in Supercross just because of having to like cover the floor and or if it if it is a floor that can be removed like Arizona that's just a whole lot more work than they usually do have to have it and they have a concrete floor in there um I'm sure they're they're happy to to uh, accommodate but uh maybe not their first choice as far as uh, a show coming in I would imagine that having a huge concert like uh um I don't know Imagine Dragons or ACDC would be uh, a much easier transition than Supercross. Having brought it, have to bring in all the plywood and the road base and then the dirt and the shenanigans that come in with Supercross for a weekend. So um, any news on the, the, the Vegas front is right now, I, I would be surprised if we go there, but I wouldn't see us on that series until probably in that stadium until 2025 or 26 is what I would expect. That, that's when the building would be about four or five years old. And um, they're, they're, I think they're, by then they'd probably be uh, looking to bring in some more entertainment, different acts and, uh, and have some new tenants for their facility. Okay, so let's just go, jump straight into some Supercross talk 
And uh, yeah, let's just jump straight into it. Let's go 250s first, and then we'll talk about the 450s a little bit as well. Uh, since we're heading into a Triple Crown uh, Series event um, in Arlington, Texas, it's covered dome. Uh, it should be beautiful weather. The dirt, if you ask, the and they're about to get a week off, by the way, and I think that's why I'm going to get to have a chance to talk to Corey from Dirtworks next week, is... Um, Arlington is by far their favorite stadium to roll into a concrete floor. So they, they literally, they don't have to put down plywood at all. Everything just goes straight onto dirt. Uh, they put the base in and then what the, the dirt that they use to build the jumps comes in afterwards. Uh, and they, they just push everything around. It's very easy for them to work, uh, work around. It's a huge floor. Um, AT&T stadium has an, an amazing like access points and there, you don't have to deal with any ramps of any kind. Uh, sometimes like say for instance, uh, working on the Minneapolis supercross, if you guys have ever been in the belly of that stadium, it's an absolute nightmare. Like it is, it's super tight. It's super cold. Um, and, and it, for, for the guys who are working on the tracks, it's not an envious situation. It, it's, it's a, like the stadium being right downtown is awesome for fans. And then parking's not too bad around there as well, but having to load in and out, I believe it's 700 loads, something like crazy like that. I, I could be misquoting, but there's a ton of dirt that comes in there and it's one, one, uh, one ramp in and out for all of the dirt. And, uh, as well as just the, the fact that like that door having to open and close throughout the, the entire day, like you're the, the stadium gets pretty cold. Like if, if from my, my memory doing some press days at the new, is it uh, uh, us, us bank stadium in Minneapolis it is always really cold in the stadium. It doesn't usually warm up until sometime midday on Saturday when things sort of get back to normal. So right off the hop, the stadium is absolutely fantastic. Like I said, it's one of the crown jewels of the current state, uh, current current uh, series. We don't go to Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta anymore, and we're not going to Minneapolis this year, which is regrettable because that's the closest one for me. Uh, but we're gonna be we're looking at uh, hitting up uh, one of these different rounds coming down the the, the pipe here. Uh, I believe there is eleven rounds still to go: Arlington, Daytona, Indy. Detroit, Seattle, Glendale. I can't, I can't believe it's this late in the season. We haven't gone to Glendale yet. Atlanta, East Rutherford, Nashville, Denver, and it all wraps up in Salt Lake City. So 250 class. Hunter Lawrence currently has a, a very short, perfect season going on so far. He's won the first two races, much like his brother did on the other coast. And uh, yeah, roll the third round for this series, much like the third round for the West series, is a Triple Crown event. And we also have the Futures rolling in for this weekend for some extra entertainment as well. So I'm excited to see what that'll bring. Uh, you have uh, um, uh, Julian um, Bar- Barmore? What is it? You know, Juju uh, is, is going to be racing that. And he switched from Yamaha to KTM. Uh, so hats off to the, uh, the team manager, uh, guy who's pulling all the strings over at uh, KTM, which is now Daniel Blair for landing him because, uh, that kid rolled into Anaheim too with no real solid deal. And he was able to be coaxed away from racing Yamaha and, uh, and now he'll be on KTMs. Uh, how he'll be able to adjust to that will be very interesting considering that only about a month ago he was racing a Yamaha, 
Um, wouldn't be surprised if he had a little bit of time on the on the KTM if he was just able to get some bikes uh, taken like uh, taken out to him. I don't really know where he he does a lot of his practicing. I think he's a California. I think he's California based because he's he's a twisted en- twisted development engine guy. But either way, uh, I would look for him to do quite well. Uh, Casey Cochran, I assume, is also racing it. Uh, he should do quite well. And uh, last time we also saw Daxton Bennick, who was absolutely flying. Uh, so if you're having a little few side bets around the room when you're watching Supercross this weekend, those are the guys that you're probably going to want to keep an eye on out for. A couple of guys who are in that race that won't be racing futures uh, this time around is none other than Hayden Deegan, who is uh, third in points. He, he got fifth at the futures, the first futures round at A2, and he now sits third in points in the 250 East class, which is incredible to think of uh he's got 38 points on the year which uh i I don't know if you know too much about hayden deegan but 38 is a very uh, significant number for that family obviously uh that's kind of like the number that um that brian used the majority of his non-racing career he did wear it during his racing career but uh in fact for, for me i remember more as number 26 than anything else uh but anyway uh so Supercross futures will pretty be pretty interesting. Another guy who isn't racing the futures, the futures who did who did actually lead. I think he either led a couple of laps or uh, was he was in the lead for a little bit of time. It was Talon Hawkins from Temecula, California? Uh, he currently sits fifteenth in points. Uh, decent first round, and then the second round, probably not one he wants to remember, looking to kind of get right this weekend, and honestly, I think that he will. Uh, good starter, and someone who I would probably slate in and around the 10th, 11th spot uh, for the remainder uh, of those races, so if he's able to keep it on two wheels, uh, Talon Hawkins is uh, maybe a little bit of a sleeper pick for somebody who's going to do uh, better than expected, or at least a whole lot better than the, his current position in points right now for the 250 East. already mentioned Hunter Lawrence, who's currently in uh, in first place, 26, uh, 26 points, the most you can uh, get in any Supercross event um, so far. Uh, I also think, uh, side note, I think for Triple Crown events that uh, either each round, like each uh, each race, uh, there should be an extra, I guess it would be six points available, three for the winner, two for the second place, and one for third uh, at each one of these things. I don't think that would terribly affect the championship standings in at the end of the day, uh, but it would give these guys a little bit more incentive if you're, say, if you're sitting in fourth and you need a third uh, to get an extra point for the championship or something along those lines. Uh, also, at the very end of the race, um, if you happen to be sitting in second spot, and um, you, you like you could possibly go ahead and win, get that extra point. Um, but right now, like for, for instance, at the last race, um, Nate Thrasher, not like he was going to go get uh, Jet Lawrence, but he didn't need to win the last round, uh, the last race in order to win the overall. And that produced some kind of boring, boring racing at the last round. So that's my one suggestion for how to fix uh, triple crowns that don't really need fixing, but. Honestly, uh, I think it'd be cool if they were able to do something along those lines. All right, so um, let's continue uh, on the this this class. Which honestly, like it, if you had had to predict the top ten after a couple of rounds when you first looked at this lineup, you probably wouldn't have put Max Anstey in second place. 
Um, the, the, the Euro rider is a guy who has been in supercross on and off for 13 years now, but more off than on. And he never really showed a lot of speed indoors. Um, I think what he's experiencing right now is the product of racing 450 supercross for two straight years. Uh, having all, obviously one year being on the Hep Suzuki team, and then last year didn't get to race much or if all, at all with the, the KTM team that he was on the, um, Rocky Mountain ATV MC KTM team that basically was defunct by halfway through the season. Um, but the reality is, is he was riding a four-stroke in Supercross, which is a huge bit more of a handful than a 250 is. So you take him off of that bike, you put him on a, a very well-appointed 250F, and Supercross just comes easier. Uh, I think that really what it comes down to. Plus, he's fit, uh, and he spent some time on the 250 uh, racing World Supercross before entering this series. So it's not like he was completely coming uh, in out of the blue. Uh, good to see the speed so far. He's been consistent, and that's why he's second in points. 44 points for the season. He's eight points out of uh, the championship lead right now. And honestly, I think this only gets worse for everybody going out. Uh, Hunter Lawrence, they've got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight rounds remaining. So this is a 10-round series, and I expect him to win at least half of those. I don't see him have, like, his worst day is probably going to be at the very worst about a fifth. Uh, wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, have every single race be a podium. Uh, and if that's the case, he's almost unbeatable uh, as far as a championship is considered. Uh, just because the guys around him are honestly not as skilled and nearly not nearly as consistent. Uh, in fact, the only other guy who has uh, really consistent finishes is Hayden Deegan and Jeremy Martin. Martin's been uh, has had four, two, two fifth places in a row, and Hayden's got two fourth places in a row. Uh, but both of those two guys are off the podium so far. Uh, obviously, Hayden's got that one heat race win. He sh- probably, he's shown more flash than a former winner in this class, and Jeremy Martin. So um, the most formidable opponents for Hunter Lawrence haven't shown really much threat at all so far. Um, you've got Chant- you've got uh, Nate Thrasher, who got second at the second race, uh, but... At the first race, he ended up with with eight points on the day, which I think is somewhere around 12th or 13th, uh, which is not a great showing. He's now sitting seventh in points and quite a few back. Uh, he's twenty he's 21 points back after one round or after two rounds, which it's really tough to make up that kind of points uh, in a very short series like this. Michael Mosman, same idea. He's had two very forgettable races. He's currently sitting uh, tied for fifth with Tom Vial, who is a a Coldstone rookie in this class. In fact, he didn't race a lot of Supercross or ride a lot of Supercross, period, before coming into this this series. So for him to be in fifth place is somewhat of a miracle. Um, For all intents and purposes, I would imagine that for the majority of those, those around him, and even Tom, probably thinking about getting through this series getting it done, and then moving on to the outdoors where he will most likely shine very brightly. And I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see him in and around the, the, the podium every single round. He's a great starter, uh, obviously racing these tracks for the first time. And outdoor tracks in the States are very different from the ones over in Europe, but motocross is still motocross. Uh, you have uh, like guys like uh, Vial have come over in the past and done quite well on tracks like this. Uh, plus, he's been spending some time. He's currently staying in, in Marietta, California. Uh, so getting some time at, uh, or on tracks 
like the uh yeah like like fox raceway glen helen um i wouldn't be surprised if they if they rent let's say like a Hangtown or something for a weekend and have him go ride that track uh that's something that doesn't get talked about but it does happen uh, periodically not a ton not as much as it used to uh it actually used to be a thing where a lot of amateur riders the year before they'd turn pro uh their dads or their parents would have them basically like shadow the nationals and race amateur day almost every other race uh so that they could get used to racing uh, national tracks in somewhat close to national trim. Uh, I don't know if a lot of guys do that now. I've seen a few guys at amateur days, uh, for guys who do some traveling, but for the most part, a lot of those kids, if they're that good, they're just at a facility honing their craft and racing four or five times a year which uh, I talked about with Caden Braswell on a recent podcast. And yeah, he was pretty open about that is that they just sort of, they, they ride very select rounds. There's about four rounds a year that are really important. Uh, and sometimes they do them. And uh, yeah, that's about all they do. They, they do their qualifications for Loretta's, get rid of for the Loretta's and hope to perform there. And if you happen to like snap a snap a wrist somewhere along the way, it's not going to be a good season for you. Uh, rolling into the seventh place spot, like I mentioned, is Nate Thrasher. Uh, he is ridiculously inconsistent when it comes to his overall results. But if he's able to change that, if he's able to and we're rolling into some some rounds that are, are certainly in his favor. I think Daytona is a good race for him. I think Indy is a good race for him, as well as Atlanta. Um, skipping over D- Detroit there only for the fact that it being a, uh, a sh- small indoor stadium that he hasn't shown a lot of uh, flash or a lot of standout rides in those particular types of stadiums. Um, I think like Indy has really soft dirt. I think that's where he would he would excel. Um, and obviously Atlanta, he has a win there. So if not two wins, um, but anyway, I would I would certainly think that uh, he would do quite well at all all four of those rounds. But he also shown us that there are certain weekends where he just doesn't have it, and that's why he he's currently sits uh, seventh in points. Uh, looking for a guy to have a little bit better of a weekend this weekend that he's had so far is Chance Hymas. He's got two fifteenths, uh, or not two fifteenths. Uh, what is that? Two eighths, roughly. Um, to start off his career, uh, nothing to sneeze at so far whatsoever. Um, but like, I, I expect like with the short races and how good of starts he is, he has. I wouldn't be surprised to see him. Um, do do really quite well actually this series i guess hymas did he race futures i don't think that he did i um i'm it's 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 two o'clock in the morning uh i should probably know that but i don't um if that's the case that would be three guys that are in this class now that were racing futures like a month ago which is kind of ridiculous to think of uh so anyway uh i'd expect him to do a whole lot better i think he's going to get good starts i think he's going to be ahead of guys like thrasher uh battling with martin vial uh and, and hayden deegan in fact honestly like if he has really good starts and he's like mixing up with the boys, I wouldn't be surprised to see him ahead of a guy like Max Anstey because every time Max Anstey's on the podium at one of these races, it still blows my wig back. I, 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 it's happened two weekends in a row. Those are his two only podiums in Supercross. So um, maybe those are outliers and uh, things are about to change or uh, we didn't know what we had in Max Anstey. Another guy that I could see definitely having a an uptick in his performance so far would be Chris Bloss. More time on the motorcycle, a week off. He's been spending some time riding out in Phoenix. Uh, he should be more acclimated to racing, racing and riding Supercross. Um, obviously, he's, he's 
that's not new to him, but if like he's knocked some rust off over the last four weeks, five weeks, um, and uh, able to get back his legs underneath him. And uh, yeah, with a, uh, a mechanic like uh, Jacob Martins over at uh, Pro Circuit, wouldn't be surprised to see him have much improved results. He's currently sitting 11th in points, and I would certainly see uh, could see him in the top 10. Um, another guy who probably needs a little bit of a bounce back ride from uh, from from Tampa is Jordan Smith. He's a guy who has won in this series before. He's held the points all the way to the last round of the series, uh, ultimately uh, not able to finish that out. But uh, And it's not 2017 anymore. But um, yeah, the kid's still got tons of skill and he's on a great motorcycle. So would not be surprised to see him get some good starts at Arlington and, uh, and run up front. Uh, Lord knows he should be uh, the best, if not the second best guy on his team right now, which is, is kind of crazy to think of that he's not. Like, there's three guys racing for Star Racing Yamaha on this series. He currently sits ninth in points of those and third on the team. Uh, if you had to quiz people, in, unless you are a uh, uh, drinking the Hayden Deegan Kool-Aid, uh, they would have not probably expected him to be the leader of that team so far. And the kid's really good. I'm not hating on him whatsoever, but I don't think any kind of logically thinking person would have thought that a rookie in Supercross would be the lead guy on a team uh, made up of two other guys who have wins in this series. Like you just, you don't see a lot of guys come out their first season and just straight up win. Heck, Jet Lawrence didn't even do that. Uh, he didn't have any wins during his very first Supercross season. Um, and uh, he, honestly, I didn't think he even had too many uh, top top fives. Uh, he was injured a lot during that series. Obviously, he broke his collarbone at Anaheim too, but. Uh, regardless, uh, two, two fourth places and third third overall in, for Hayden is awesome to see, but definitely not what I expected. Um, uh, if you're playing fantasy, I would definitely kind of a few guys that I would circle on uh, who you'd be looking at would be a guy like Cody Shock. He he qualifies really well. He gets good starts and should be somewhere around the 11, 12, 13 spot. And same goes with Cullen Park. Those guys are teammates. And uh, would not be supplied or surprised whatsoever to see the 2022 250 Rookie of the Year to be up there. One guy, and obviously you're going to know who's in the main events long before lockout. But Caden uh, Braswell, I, as I, I had him on this podcast earlier this week, kid is an absolute superstar. By the way, really liked uh, talking to him. But his qualifying right now is something that certainly needs to work on. So if he's not able to be up there in the qualifying times. Uh, he'll be end up in the LCQ, uh, which does you put you put you behind the eight ball. Like I said, you're gonna know if he's in the main event regardless prior to, to the the race starting. Um, and if he gets in, he's I, he's likely to do quite well just because uh, he's able to uh, battle through and like he's not a guy who sort of reads the back of name bars whatsoever. Like he, he said on the podcast that he wants to be a top five guy, which is currently 12 positions ahead of where he's currently at. So, uh, he's no short on confidence whatsoever. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Braswell do extremely well, uh, as the series progresses. Let's flip things over to the 450 class. They've ran six rounds so far. Monster Energy Supercross. Last time we saw them was in Oakland, and a familiar face who has now won four races on the on the year, four out of six. That ain't too bad. Two thirds of the, of the main events goes to Eli Tomac, who is now tied with Ricky Carmichael for the third most. Uh, like he is, he shares the spot. Third most win, main event wins 
in Supercross history with the greatest motocross and Supercross racer of all time. Uh, yeah, I said it. Uh, it's Ricky Carmichael, and it's it's not even close. When you combine the two, uh, Ricky Carmichael absolutely obliterates everybody else. I think I saw a stat earlier that it was 126 450 race wins, whether that's like overalls or Supercross main events. Uh, for Ricky Carmichael to the next closest is Jeremy McGrath with 86. Um, so yeah, like the fact that, um, and actually I was surprised to see that, uh, Jeremy had that many, uh, 450 class slash two, like the old 250 two stroke class, um, main event or, uh, 250 overalls, like, like the, the premier class overalls in, in motocross. I know he was very, very good in the 1996 outdoor season, but I, to my knowledge, that was his only year where he was really, really good. Uh, he did of course take the 1997 championship right down to the last wire. Um, but, and he must've won a, a bunch of those overalls because, uh, I think Kevin, uh, um, Jeff Emig ended up coming on pretty late in that championship, uh, to end up coming back and winning it. Um, but either way, uh, I was surprised to see that getting back to modern day racing, uh, Eli Tomac, like I said, he currently has a lead, but it's a very slim lead, only seven points over Cooper Webb and, uh, Chase Sexton, which really goes to show, uh, how much those, uh, that the fifth and the sixth place overalls, uh, hurt that uh, the 17 points he got one weekend and 18, the follow the, the next, the two weekends later at Tampa, that will, uh, that'll take a, a lot away from your championship. Like obviously, um, like, like had he been on the podium in those two races, we're probably talking about a guy with a 12 or 13 point lead rather than a seven point lead. Um, one bad weekend, if he ends up say fifth this weekend and either Cooper Webb or Sexton are, uh, win the race, that's going to be a difference of five points, which is like, that's a huge swing in the points. They'd only, they only be down by five. If he's off the podium this weekend and one of those guys wins, they're most certainly, uh, either tied or, uh, actually ahead of him in points. So there's a possibility that, uh, Eli Tomac could possibly lose the, the red plate this weekend, but you know what? Um, Eli Tomac goes really fast at Arlington. Uh, he's had some success there in the past. In fact, the only times that he's had bad races there is when he's had some, uh, bike malfunctions back in 2017. He had a, an issue with uh, a brake caliper that ended up going out. Uh, he had no brake or it was a front wheel issue that he didn't end up being able to even finish that race, or maybe they had to cut the brake and he got a really bad finish. Either way, that wasn't on him. That was on Kawasaki at the time. And it was on Kawasaki specifically. It was a, it was a bike part that broke and bikes do break from time to time, but not very often, certainly not factory motorcycles. Uh, who do I like between Cooper Webb and Chase Sexton? Honestly, I like Sexton. Like, he should already have uh, multiple wins in this series, but he only has the one. Um, yeah, he's been, I don't know if he's cracking under the pressure is the right word for it, or uh, he like he had Houston uh, kind of dead to rights, but Tomac was able to race away from him. Uh, he probably should have won Tampa, but he ends up putting it on the ground. Same thing for o Oakland, puts it on the ground, ends up second. No, third. Yeah, he's third. He was third at that, at that race. And because they're tied on points and Cooper uh, ended up passing him for second, uh, that was that's the tie break for that particular uh, event. So 
Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy to think of so far. Uh, these two tied in points, not what you'd, you'd expect, um, but they're they're doing extremely well. I, I kind of expect Chase to continue to sort of like uh, like be the, the best of the rest uh, and challenge for this championship. Uh, I don't want to count uh, Cooper Webb out because every time I do, he just crams that right down my throat and makes me uh, regret my words. But honestly, if I'm being honest, I have to I have to go with Chase. I think he is the better of the two right now. I think he at least has more speed. And uh, of the remaining, I believe there's 11 rounds. Uh, I, if I had to choose uh Webb or Sexton uh the rest of the way I take Sexton uh I, I just I think he's got more speed I think I that's just how I feel about it and um I could be I could be completely wrong and I will uh, 11 weeks from now I'll come on and say so I've uh, been wrong before I'll be wrong again uh certainly was wrong about Jason Anderson at the beginning of this se- this season really looked like he had it all figured out all of the off-season uh, video and all that fun stuff really seemed to make it seem like he was just going to pick up right where he left off last year in Supercross winning some races and uh, and doing extremely well but he's only got two podiums on the season so far uh he hasn't had he hasn't had a really really bad race but he's had enough races that he is now down by he's over a a race down he's 28 points down so he needs uh basically everybody at the front of the pack to have an absolutely dreadful night in order to to make up a serious amount of time on those or points on those guys and i don't think i don't see any of those guys giving it up i really don't like um the the guys in front of him have been on the podium pretty much every single round uh for uh for sexton he's only been off the podium once and uh, and Cooper has only been off the podium twice. Uh, same thing for uh, Eli Tomac. In fact, the only time that Tomac's not been on the podium is when he's playing fifth or sixth. Um, so yeah, th- those guys aren't going to give it up whatsoever. Uh, in fact, I kind of see Anderson spending the rest of the year uh, sort of in limbo, unless he's able to t- uh, set things on fire and um, like move up into that top three conversation. Uh, I kind of see him sort of being maybe 20, 30 points back of those guys with a, with not somebody really, really close to him in points. Like currently he is uh, seven points ahead of Ken Roxon and Aaron Plessinger who are, are tied for fifth place in the points. But I, I in, unless uh, Kenny is able to return to his Anaheim two form and end up on the podium once again, although... I don't think he was a podium guy that weekend. I think that was uh, more Eli going down and getting a 13th in one of the races, which ended up giving him a podium. But regardless, uh, I don't I don't see him going from, I believe he was 9th or 10th last round uh, and being able to flip that around and um, turn that into a really good finish at Arlington. And uh, moving forward the rest of the series, the bike doesn't look good. Uh, the, what he's saying right now, uh, he, he looks more and more frustrated as the season goes on. He's got 11 more rounds of this, and I don't know how super excited he is for that. So that's why I kind of think that Jason Anderson more than likely will end up sort of in a weird kind of in limbo spot, almost like if there's a race where you're uh, 15 seconds behind the leader, but third place is also 10 seconds back. Like you're just sort of put out there doing laps. Um, I think honestly, uh, not to be cliche about this, but Jason Anderson's going to have to take it race by race 
put himself in a good position to score points and hope that he gets some help from the guys ahead of him. Cause right now uh, there isn't enough, to, there isn't enough races for him to just consistently just like pick away at it, get a few points on these guys here and there. Uh, he's going to have to uh, get some help even this early in the series. Um, guys who st- stand out to me, guys who seem to be on the rise right now within the, their, their current uh, like ahead of where they're, they're trending in the right direction. Christian Craig, literally every single weekend, uh, he has gotten a little bit better or a little bit closer. Uh, his first top 10 last year or last week, he got an eighth. Uh, that We joke with Denny Stevenson at the beginning of the year that uh, he thought that Christian Craig was going to get eight top five finishes. Well, he doesn't have one yet. Uh, so then we joke that maybe he meant uh, five eighth place finishes or top eight finishes, which he's already got one of those uh, working on getting a whole lot more. And he's got some time to knock those down f- uh, throughout the next 11 rounds. But uh, he's certainly on the upward trend. Uh, and if he gets his starts figured out, I could certainly see him inside the top five, six, seven range. Um, same thing can be said for a guy like Joey Savacci, who unfortunately probably won't be with the series uh, further than say, I think is it, is it Daytona or Detroit is his last round. Um, not continuing on after that and doing a lot of the, that's a lot of travel for his, uh, his hauler to be doing after that. Like if you go to Detroit, uh, Daytona, Indy, Detroit, and then you're going Seattle, Arizona, back to Atlanta, East Rutherford, Nashville, back to Denver, and then up to Salt Lake city. That's a lot of driving. Um, I've actually driven a lot of those rounds and it sucks. Uh, Adam Cianciarillo, another guy who, if not, uh, for getting, uh, taken down, uh, last weekend by Justin Barsha, he's been trending up as well. Um, he's getting good starts as he normally does. The, on the, the funny thing about Adam recently is you haven't really noticed that like the, the blazing speed that he has and, Obviously, he's trying to get the, the 17 rounds in uh, and building. Uh, I think that's been beaten to absolute death. Um, like, I, I'll let you guys know when I start to see Adam Cianciarillo doing anything aside from being pretty like pretty fast, like a top six, seven guy as far as speed goes, and then um, riding conservatively in mains, uh, which is why he's currently 11th in points. Um, and he's, he's the only guy that actually is mostly top 10 finishes who is outside the top 10 in points. Uh, Savachi, it's hilarious that I think he's, he's basically, I, I think he, like it was, it was funny earlier in the series, he had three, t- three 10th place finishes and sitting 11th in points. Now he's had, uh, three tenths, two 11ths, no, two, three tenths, one ninth and an eighth. And he's currently sitting eighth in points. So he's his best finish matches his current spot in points just because some guys have moved out of spots like um Dylan Ferrandis having missed two rounds now uh, I guess essentially missing three rounds he's only got two points at Houston um he's dropping like a stone just because he's not he's not in the series anymore um and guys like Justin Cooper who have actually finished ahead of Joey recently um they've only raced three rounds. So it's, it's a little bit misleading when you just look straight at the points specifically. Uh, same thing with a guy like Malcolm Stewart, who probably should have been higher up, uh, in the points, but with injuries, those guys are basically removed from the situation. Although at this point, where is Malcolm? Malcolm is, is currently sitting 23rd in points after two dreadful start uh, rounds starting out the season. He's going to get that knee fixed and hopefully see him back next year on a white bike. Um, 
Guys who I could see doing really well this weekend uh, that aren't currently in a great points uh, spot is uh, Shane McElrath as well as Justin Cooper. Uh, I think Justin's a great starter. Uh, I think he's going to be up there and in the fight every single weekend uh, that he's racing. Uh, unfortunately, we probably won't see him in Daytona unless uh, they have him race that race as well. Uh, kind of seems like something that would be up his alley. And a lot of guys who uh, have been like, even when Jeremy Martin uh, raced that uh, a 454, I think it was 2017 for Geico. Uh, they had him race that. And he, I think he got, even got second at that race, second or third. Um, he, and he led for quite a while before uh, Eli Tomac went and got him. I wish so badly that Daytona was a daytime race. I know like this is completely off topic, but uh, I, I loved it, Daytona in the day. I it was it had a different je ne sais quoi about it. It just I, I loved the the mystique of that race. I think it added a little bit more cachet to uh, just everything about it. And I, th- I thought that was a really good addition. Um, would love to see Justin Hill um, get some better starts and, and run up there with the the Dean Wilsons of the world and uh, and stuff like that. I think he could be like an 11th, 12th place guy. Um, but I'd also like to see the same thing from Benny Bloss. Um, Benny's been doing better as of late uh, have, after missing some rounds due to injury and just not really being himself. He only got the one point at... Uh, at is that Anaheim? T- no, that's Houston. I uh, only got one point there. He's a little bit on an upward trend. I think I could c- certainly see him ahead of guys that are currently ahead of him in points, like uh, Kevin Morans, Kyle Chisholm, Josh Hill. Um, but inversely, I also f- uh, think that uh, Shane McElrath will slowly but surely move his way up the leaderboard as well. Um, he's been sort of really consistent, right in around that 15th, 15th, 16th place guy. Um, coming off one of his better rounds this last weekend, um, I could certainly see him uh, moving up there and battling with the, uh, he should be ahead of the Justin Hills of the world, the Dean Wilsons of the world. That would slate him somewhere in and around the 11th, 12th, 13th place spot. All right, guys. So that's the podcast for this day. As always, I hope that you would be uh, supporting the podcast by uh, going to the website uh, and, and listening to the podcast, help uh, buying things from our, my sponsors, whether it be Luxon MX, uh, Race, Race Tech, uh, Guts Racing, WSA, Fox Racing Canada, uh, Phoenix Handlebars, those guys are great. Uh, SKDA Graphics, um, they don't have a way of tracking that just yet, but I'd like get, get graphics from those guys. They have awesome stuff. Um, also, Big MX Radio has merch. If you would like, and we get a slice of every single sale that gets sold on that. We do it through Springtree, uh, so I'm not actually buying uh, boxes and boxes of T-shirts. Uh, and I'm working on being able to put out some more uh, designs. But uh, having put out, I believe this is my 23rd podcast over the course of the last 28 days. Uh, I've been quite busy. Uh, maybe I should d- dedicate more of that time to putting out podcast or putting doing some designs for the stuff but uh we do have a few different designs for t-shirts there's also a hoodie uh i think there's a hat if not uh i think that that might have uh, been pulled down uh by the website for some reason they have like really weird copyright things that i i, I have no idea why that would have been pulled down because i own big mx radio uh but either way uh, you can go to the website and get yourself uh, one of the one of the shirts. Uh, uh, there's even a coffee mug, or uh, you can go get yourself uh, yeah a hoodie. So uh, support Big MX Radio. 
every single one of those purchases comes, uh, I get a slice of that. I get probably like eight, $9 off of the, uh, the purchase price. Uh, I know they're in American dollars. So if you're a Canadian listener and you get on there and they look a little bit expensive, there's nothing I can really do about that. As far as the price, they sort of set things up that way. But, uh, anyway, I hope that you guys have a great rest of your day. Uh, the Friday, uh, keep crushing it and uh, keep listening to the Big MX Radio podcast. Would love some feedback from people. Don't be afraid to reach out to me on social media, um, on whether it's Instagram at Big MX Radio, uh, on on Instagram or not Instagram, yeah, on Twitter. I'm at Brad uh, Brad GMX95. You just search Big MX Radio, and I'm there. I uh, and I do not ignore anybody's direct message. I won't leave you on red. Uh, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about some dirt bikes. I'm also on TikTok. You can uh, look up uh, at Big MX Radio and you will find me. Uh, so yeah, uh, would, would love some uh, some feedback there as well. Would love to be able to communicate with you guys. And uh, yeah, if you, uh, if you like the merch, buy it up a little bit. And uh, yeah, like I said, I get a slice of that. So hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. Hopefully you guys are having a great rest of your day. And uh, yeah, keep crushing it. Take care. Take care, guys.